Welcome back again to Punks on the Pitch podcast, the show where the beautiful game meets brutal, discussing music. Um, we're in the middle of a midweek FA Cup run, which is weird. So it's going to be a bit strange talking about some FA Cup stuff that's not on a Saturday. Um, but joining me this week is a good friend of mine who I haven't seen in a long time, so I'm glad to, to get him on. Uh, it's Freelance writer and Nottingham Forest fan, Sean Reid. Sean, how are you doing, my friend? I'm I'm good, Tim. Thanks, thanks for having me on. No, it's bit. It's like you were one of the people that I wanted to get on, like from the outset when I kind of had the idea of this podcast. Because I know through our period of knowing each other, you're one of the people that is very active in your in your. I guess of love of football, but also struggles with your team. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I say, yeah. I mean, like I say, I'm 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 not Nottingham Forest fan. Um, nearly for thirty years, and I've had um, more lows than highs during that <laughs> yeah. time. So yeah. Well, before we kind of get into it, I always kind of like to start with a bit of kind of music talk. So, have you been listening to to anything good recently? Is there anything you've been excited about? I've been past like since lockdown, like the past year. I've been like mostly like. Big, big, like nostalgia kick. Yeah, I think maybe just uh, you know make me feel better. I don't know, but yeah, bit a lot of nostalgia, a lot of, like my favorite bands, and then but I have been keeping an eye on like new releases and and whatnot. So yeah, a bit, a bit of a mix, really, I guess. Mm. Is there anything like new stuff that you're kind of particularly uh, like excited about that's coming up or uh, like you know, this is an album's coming out. I know in a couple of months, and the New mm. Architects. Albums out uh, later this month. Um, other than that, I try to think what else is coming out. I did like a new Holding Absence as well yeah. coming out in uh, I think April as well. So, I mean, there's yeah, there's just a lot of like new albums coming out that I'm looking forward to, and Julian Baker as well. Yeah, I'm super stoked for that Julian Baker record. That's going to be really cool. Because have you like? I know you've been sort of dabbling here and there, but like, have you? Are you still kind of sort of keeping on top of like the music writing stuff or are you um well i'd say since already heard finish back in september 2019 mm. i i sort of took a break for a bit and then um since about i think the back end of last year i've been doing the odd review for punktastic right just sort of you know every like few weeks just doing the odd review here and there to sort of try and get back into that flow i guess try and get back into it i guess yeah 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 I think that's because obviously you were kind enough to give me a lot of stuff when obviously already had was kind of up and running. So like I was kind of the same, especially towards the end of last year, I think just because of everything that was going on, like I just felt burnt out and I was just sort of like, right, I need to kind of get back in, back in the game, back on the horse sort of thing with the, like the right inside. And thankfully like astral noise have kind of, framed me a few things and I've pitched a few things to them and stuff. So been able to kind of get back on that this year, which is, which has been good. So at least kind of keeping that, that muscle flexed in some way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we've got obviously get on to talking football and like, as you say, like with Forrest at the moment, 
more more lows than than highs and i think if we kind of start with like the current sort of crop and sort of situation i know it's not been the the greatest year obviously languishing in like what 15th at the moment in the championship yeah which i think is, i want to say is about a high position of the season <laughs> yeah. so far um but i mean the I mean, we've only lost one league game in 10 games mm. um and like Houston's gradually since he came in october he's gradually turned things around um but I think the immediate feature is still survival of the championship because of it's weird because if we win, all the teams around us also win. So there's no really, really progression. Yeah. Which is frustrating. What's your like view on Hewan? Do you think he's a, he's a good manager? Because obviously he did quite well at Brighton and, and things like that, but he's still, I don't know, he's not obviously seen as one of like, the quote-unquote top English managers. Yeah, but... I mean, he's I mean he's got a track record of getting teams promoted, like say Brighton. Um, Brighton, I think Newcastle took him up mm. in the championship a few years ago. So he's, I mean, he's got a record of getting teams out of the out of the championship. And once when um, we parted ways with Sabri Lamucci back in October, he was my first choice um, to take over. Um, okay. So I'm 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 pleased. With him, but then again, with Forrest's track record, is he, is he going, going to be given enough time to implement his own squad and sort of build something in the long run? Mm. And obviously, like, January transfer window recently gone, bought in a couple of players, but the one that obviously stands out is the striker that never seems to die, old Glenn Murray. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously... Made a decent sort of impact straight away in the in the recent game against Wickham, but I don't know. Like I know, obviously, him and Hutton have got a relationship, but do you think that's a good player to bring in? Because obviously, he is an aging striker. Yeah, mm. he can still score the goals, but is that the direction that Forrest want to go in, or is he just kind of like a steadying the ship kind of player for the rest of yeah, the season? I feel I say I think, I mean, we have got quite a. A lot of our players are around like the thirty-year-old mark. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and we have got players who've got plenty of championship experience, like Harry Arter and Jack Colback, like players who've been around but haven't, but aren't really playing at the moment for Forest. But we've got like aging players in that in our squad. Mm. Um, but like I said, the the immediate future is to is survival. So if Glenn Murray can chip in with a goal or two um, over the next two, three months and help with that survival aim and great. Um, I know it's only a short-term deal, so I'm not sure what his plans are long-term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just in terms of, like, for yourself, as you said at the beginning, kind of, like, obviously been following Forrest for sort of nearly 30 years and, and stuff like that. So what kind of, like, got you into into following them in the first place? Um, I, I really don't know. I remember like my earliest Forest memory is losing to Tottenham in the uh, <laughs> 91 FA Cup final. So you could say I'm, I'm sort of used to being disappointed from, from the very start. <laughs> um, but yeah, cause I think because like, where I live in Newark, it's like Nottingham Forest is probably like the biggest team nearby compared mm. to like Notts County or Lincoln or Mansfield. Um, I, well, but I mean, my, my older brother is a Liverpool fan, but that never really came like I thought into my mind of becoming a Liverpool fan I've always 
been a Forest fan ever since I was like four or five years old. Mm. So like, it's not sort of like family kind of put you onto it or anything like that? No, no. That's cool. Like, Because I, th- I think obviously when you're like younger, I think obviously you're only kind of exposed to sort of like the bigger teams and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool that you were... Uh, you were drawn to your your local team at such a, a young age, I guess. Yeah. So, like, obviously, I the like the reason I've called the podcast is like punks on the pitch is to kind of because I think there's a lot of people that are into obviously like alternative music that are into football as well, and it's maybe like it's becoming a bit more of the norm now. But I think like when we were growing up and stuff, it like it was a bit weird if you liked both sort of thing so like for you what do you kind of see as sort of like the through line between football and alternative music like where's the kind of crossover point for you hmm it's it's something i never thought about like um like growing up around like like my teenage years so i sort of did go through a phase where i didn't really pay much attention to football Mm. i was more into like skateboarding and you know listening to like Biscuit and all that. Um, (laughs) So, um, but yeah, in terms of like a connection, um, I don't know. I've I've sort of always not really thought about it in terms of if there is a connection, if there's maybe like subconsciously there is a connection in terms Mm. of, you know, songs or uh, like songs that have like soundtracks at moments through, you know, my fandom as a football fan. Yeah. Yeah, and then in terms of kind of like your kind of I guess sort of sort of journey with Forest because like so I remember I can't remember the year now the years when they were sort of in the Premier League. Um, I'm trying to think who the so talking like uh like ninety four ninety five and then like we got last time we were in the Premiership was ninety eight ninety nine season. Yeah, so maybe that's what I'm. Yeah, because basically. What I want to get to is Pierre Van Hoydonk. That's where I'm. That's where I'm heading. <laughs> right. So like I can remember, like obviously, like that generation when he was part of the team, and I think like he was obviously a player or a very sort of polarizing sort of player and and things like that. So like I don't know. Like for, what was your opinion of him? Because I think like he, if we take sort of punk in its sort of basis elements i think he's kind of like quite a punk player in that like he just kind of did whatever the fuck he wanted he didn't really like oh yeah yeah so i mean like was he frustrating to like be a fan of or did you enjoy like when he was part of the team i mean when he when he wasn't on strike yeah it was great because um i mean he he joined us when we were in that uh i want to say what 90 Six ninety seven season probably came yeah. down to us when we went down to the the old first division, came back up with us and then we sold Kevin Campbell to I think uh, Galatasaray or somewhere like that or Everton maybe and uh, that then he went on strike for like half the season and then obviously by the time if he came back into the squad I, th- I think he uh, I think we were really struggling in the Premier League so yeah yeah. I just I can't I can't remember like 
I've just got this vivid memory of him like scoring like an absolute worldie, but I can't remember for the life of me who it was against. But yeah, he was just one of those like I can remember obviously when I was like younger, he was one of those first players where there were like like quote unquote like controversies around him because like you obviously when you're younger you don't, you just think oh they just play football there's no like backroom politics and things like that but he was like the first one that I like vividly remember all that stuff kind of happening with and I was just sort of like who the fuck is this guy <laughs> but like I guess as you say like you've kind of gone through sort of like the highs and lows of, of things at the moment so I don't know like what's kind of been personal highlights like through your time of, of following Forest? um I didn't like one season I always like have a fond memory of, even though I never went to foot games there, it was like the 94, 95 season mm. when we came back up from, from the first division, Frank Clark was in charge. Uh, we had Collie Moore Roy up front. Uh, then we had like, likes of Steve Stone, Ian Lone, Lars Baheen in the midfield. And obviously uh, Mark Crosley in goal. And then um, Des Little, Steve Chell, Colin Cooper and Stuart Pearce in defence and that season we, we came back up and finished third in the Premier League which is mad to think now you wouldn't expect a Premier League side to come up and finish third in the Premier yeah, League yeah. and like obviously the sort of I, I guess kind of like the fall from grace kind of thing like obviously myself being a Pompey fan has kind of seen, <laughs> seen the similar things kind of thing but like I don't know, because obviously Forrest has got this like huge kind of sort of history. Obviously, like with them like winning the European Cup and obviously the Brian Clough years, which everyone obviously kind of harps on about. Like I'm doing it now, mm. but like obviously that's a little bit kind of like before your kind of time kind of thing. So like, does that is that something that annoys you as a fan that like that <sighs> is still this black cloud like that looms over? Okay, yeah, I guess when you, when you say you the black cloud, it does sort of, um, yeah, cast a shadow over over the current forest generation because, like my generation, the generation like even people younger than me have never experienced forest properly in the Premier League, mm. or you know, seeing like Wembley or because like back in the eighties, like during close like close like last decade or so, we were regularly like in the League Cup final and other random cups and you know like I said before that like the European Cups back to back and um all that era. Um but yeah I mean like so we do sort of use that history those two European Cups as sort of a a reminder to like highlight our parent greatness. Mm. But um but like say in the past 20 years like it's been over 20 years since we're in the Premier League and like you see like likes like Robbie Savage saying oh Forest should be in the Premier League but when you think about like 20 years that's like more than that's longer than the Premier League's been around so we don't we don't really have an entitlement to be in the Premier League which is mm. obviously which obviously for me is hurts to say <laughs> but um yeah but it's it's um but yeah it's I say it's just it's just been a difficult time to try, trying to adjust to 
I guess for some people or some fans of ours accepting that we're not this great club that we once were. Mm. Um, and, and I think some Forest fans, maybe the older generation, have this expectation that we should be, you know, a mid-table Premier League side or what have you. When the yeah, reality yeah. is we're, you know, we're, we're, we're a championship side. We've been in the championship since coming back from League One for about, I want to say, 12 years. Mm. I think, and that's the kind of like the thing, like obviously with me, it's a bit different because I've kind of seen like Pompey's like golden years. So to say, like, obviously I used to be a season ticket holder the year we won the old division one and got up to the premier league. Those years we were in the premier league, the FA cup win and things like that. And like now whenever, okay, it's not to the same extent with Forest, like we're not European champions, but we always get branded like, oh, the former FA Cup winners and things like that. And it's just like, like we've been in League Two for, uh, sorry, League One now for four years, I think it is, since getting like promoted to, from League. Like, obviously, we went all the way down to League Two, and there's there are Pompey fans that still think we should be a a Premier League team, but that's like a long way off, like. I like for my early years, we were a competent league, like Division One team. Like we were always scrapping in a relegation fight until Redknapp came in, and then all of a sudden we were this team that romped Division One and were quite decent in the Premier League for a couple of years. But yeah, I don't think like it's weird, like when you're a fan of a club that's had a little bit of a success and you, it's kind of gone and that stigma is still there. I think it's a bit strange. Yeah. Yeah. I said there's a stigma that, and I can entitle that certain clubs should be higher than they, than they, where they are now. Yeah, definitely. And like kind of on that, because obviously I guess like on the reputation of it, like Forrest still like, Paul's interest of like maybe not necessarily bigger players but still like bigger names in football like okay like Chris Hewton may not be the biggest name in the world but I think for him to come in as a manager is quite decent because obviously he's got Premier League experience and so on and so forth but obviously like having former managers of like Martin O'Neill like and then obviously like former players managing as well like the likes of Stuart Pearce and Diggy Friedman and, and things like that. Like, I don't know, like, is there, because obviously I'm not a fan of the club, is is there still a sense of, like, when managers come in, they've come into a bigger club sort of thing? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess, I mean, we've had, like, our track record of managers over the past, I'd say, 20, 30 years has been hit and miss. Like, you know, we had, like, Frank Clark, another former Forest player, yeah, we came in right after Clough with you know big shoes to fill because you mm. I mean, he, obviously this legend Brian Clough, but yeah, he came in and like took us back up to the Premier League, um, stayed for a few seasons, and then like so we've had Pierce and O'Neill try and continue that sort of like romantic, you know, former player comes back, and it hasn't always worked out. Mm. But in uh, terms uh, of um, but to like, we 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 have always like, attracted made managers, but mm. but with a varying degree of success. <laughs> yeah, and like the one that 
I found quite interesting was was Friedman because, like again, going back to sort of my like formative years as a as a football fan, I just always remember like he was a, like a shit of a player to play against, and I thought it was really interesting like him going into management and obviously with Forrest. So like I don't know like because he didn't obviously light the world on fire kind of thing with Forrest. And I, I kind of posed this question when we were talking about Frank Lampard last week, but does that taint his kind of legacy with Forrest? Because obviously he was like this icon on the pitch, but then obviously hasn't done the job off it. So has that tainted him in any way in your perspective? Um... I mean, I'll admit, I I vaguely remember Dougie Freeman being a Forest player, but I do remember him being a Forest player. Mm. Um, in terms of being our manager, he I mean, he came in when we were part, we had a transfer embargo. Yeah. So he struggled and and he he did okay. Like I think we I think he had about a year in charge. I want to say, um, and we were like you know round mid table, probably a bit higher. But the but this is a season where we like I said we had. We had to like deal in like loan deals and free transfers, but he did an okay job. Um, I remember well he got sacked after after time I I decided not to renew my season ticket. Okay. Yeah, because that, that was like that because the ownership at the time under Fawaz Halasawi, he was the terrible owner, and he, yeah, yeah. he and um, yeah he was like that like the last straw for me with the ownership, <laughs> yeah. like because like I thought Freeman was harshly sacked, like we weren't. You know, going to be pushing for promotion, and like we weren't struggling, so it it was a bit harsh, really. Mm. And and, and, the, and sorry, and the, and the irony is that I think there's a story going around about about a month after uh, Freeman got let go, um, Al Hassari was like rigging him up, asking who to sign. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> Jesus Christ! And like, just because obviously. You mentioned like there, Alfasawi, and I think like he was obviously came into the club. Like I think, obviously, I don't know like too much about, it, but it kind of felt like he was wanting, obviously, to kind of purchase this club that had the history, sort of thing. But obviously, history has told the tale of his, of his ownership and stuff like now. And I think I'm not even going to try and pronounce the the owner you've got at the moment's name. Oh, Marinakis, Mar- 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 I think it is. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. But, like, because obviously, again, like, kind of similar to Pompey, like, had sort of ownership problems. Like, how do you kind of feel like the ownership is now? Like, is it going in the right direction, in in, in your opinion? Um it's it's difficult to what it'd been it's not Marinakis is the problem it's um another guy that I can't remember his name he's basically basically our um director of football right and he's the reason why we've signed like 70 something odd players in like since 2018 something ridiculously like and basically our recruitment's been awful for the mm. most part like um so in terms of our ownership it has to be I mean when, when they came in the Greeks like immediately they uh, appointed the chairman and all these other positions basically look like they're going to get things in order uh there was talk of rebuilding uh the peter taylor stand which i think is still ongoing but obviously because of covid that's been put on mm. hold um 
So in comparison to the Al-Hasawi regime, it's better, but it's just the recruitment and this sort of aura being a bit um, in terms of the playing staff not having full control of who who plays or who gets to be in the first team squads. I mean, when um, Sarah Lamucci was there last year, there'd be often be players who were like exiled out of the first team and put into the quote unquote bomb squad and like <laughs> like like names like Zach Clough and um, I mean at one point our thirty million pound sign in Jao Carvalho was in that squad. God fucking hell. Yeah. So I think because I remember like I think it might have been the beginning of this season. I can't, I can't remember exactly. I think you, it might have even be, been yourself that tweeted it. I can't remember. But there was a thing like the Forest. It was still when Lamushi was the the manager, mm. and they was they were still bringing in more players. And I think like there was a thing that like Forest had like excess of like thirty odd first team players, oh, and they probably. were still bringing in more. And it was just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> well, see, I right at first I thought uh, at, like at the start of the tr- some transfer window, I, trans- I thought our transfer window was quite good because you brought in. Like like Tyler Blackett and Jack Colby, like players mm. with championship experience, and then like it like three players became seven players, and the next thing we brought in like 13, 14 players. <laughs> um, two of them have since left the club, as well. Uh, did they actually get on the pitch or? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like, um, what was it Miguel Guerrero? He was a uh, forwards. He's just gone back to he gone to Spain. He he came from. Oh, I said Olympiacos probably mm. you know, in our record. Um, yeah, he he played a few games, and then we had um, Cypriot uh, left back. Um, he'd gone back to Cyprus, I think. Yeah. So yeah. Well, before we move on, how like I always kind of ask, and it's whether it's sort of a, a current player or a past player or anything like that. But is there like a forest? Like I mentioned Van Hoydonk, but this you could think someone completely different. But is there like a forest player that you can think of that like really embodies like the punk ethos or a punk attitude at all? Well, it's, it's got to be Stuart Pearce all day. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I thought you were going. Yeah. <laughs> easy, easy choice. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Are we going to see a Van Hoydong special here? It's hardly likely, surely, from this position, is it? It is. And it almost produced a goal. Is there another player outrageous enough to try a free kick from there? Tell you what, it surprised one or two here, and it surprised Russell Holt. Well, yeah, as we'll go on to sort of more general kind of football chat and kind of a tangential forest link, but this is the the glory that is Patrick Bamford. Obviously, like started at Forest as a youth player, has had a bit of a rocky career, but has seemed to kind of found his feet at Leeds and obviously recently has scored scored a few more goals at the weekend for them and there's talk of him potentially being called up to to the England squad which personally I'd love to see I think like I've always rated him like I think he was poorly utilized at Chelsea obviously like never got on the pitch but whenever he went out on on loan to places he showed he could he could score goals. He scored goals at Middlesbrough, and obviously now he's scoring them at, at Leeds. So, 
I don't know. Like, do you think he's he deserves a place in in Southgate squad? Um, on current form, yeah. I mean, I mean, at the start of the season, um, I didn't I didn't expect Bamford to return to the Premier League with such as well as it has because like mm. in the past he's like he, I remember he was on loan at Burnley and Norwich and Palace in the Premier League I, I don't think he ever scored no but, no I mean, he, he was always one of those strikers who like who, who were like impressed and scored goals in the Championship but couldn't quite make that step up mm. to the Premier League but yeah this season you know I'd say he scored 12 goals so far for Leeds this season um, which is more than like other English strikers who've been a recent squad like Tammy Abra and Danny Ings, Callum Wilson, Mason Greenwood. So yeah. on current form, I'd I'd take I'd i take him for the next, you know, the free World Cup qualifiers we've got next month. Yeah. And I think like he's he brings something a bit different as well because obviously everyone always says Harry Kane is like the obviously the first choice and things like that. Then you've got Jamie Vardy and then for your kind of like quote unquote backup strikers it's kind of your pick of like a handful as you as you mentioned like your Danny Ings your Mason Greenwoods Calvert-Lewin's one who I personally think is is kind of the next one down from Vardy and Kane at the moment yeah and obviously Rashford but I, I don't know Bamford seems like a bit of an old school kind of striker in like he's kind of like the fox in the box obviously he can do other stuff as well but I think it would be interesting to bring him into the England setup where you've got not this is no disrespect to Leeds, but like you've got that bit of extra quality of players that could provide him with service, and it'd be interesting to see what he did in that situation. I think. Yeah, I can say because if you, I mean England normally play with three three up front three forwards, don't they? With like mm. Rashford and Sterling on the wings, and like someone like Kane in the centre. And if, if someone like Bamford's got good service like that, and, um, yeah, he, I think he can be a good backup option for England. Mm. And obviously, as I say, like, youth youth player at Forest, I think he only ever made two first-team appearances or something like that. Yeah, not yeah. But I don't know, like, do you, is there kind of a sense of pride of, like, Forest boy done good kind of thing? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember last. I think last like Forest grad, academy graduate we had in England was probably Michael Dawson, so mm. or Jermaine Genus. So yeah, oh, in, yeah in the I ra- forgot Genus was there. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. So um, for Bamford to be talked about England is great. I mean, it'd be nice if like, if Matty Cash got um, mm. a shout as well, but I don't see that happening really. I've got. I put this out last week. I think Matty Cash is underrated signing of the season. To be totally honest, like he's been cons- like consistently really good. And then I watched the game against uh, was it Arsenal they played last week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just phenomenal. Like literally every time, either Saka or Lacazette like came down. Of like the Arsenal left Villa's right, he just knew exactly what to do every time, and he was so impressive to watch. So, uh, like, yeah, I, I mean, England's defense is pretty solid as it is, but I, I'd like to see him in that again on current form. You'd 
you'd be wrong not to put him in there. Yeah, I mean, like the three qual- World Cup qualifiers we've got next one be San Marino, Albania, and Poland. Mm. I mean, besides probably Poland, I can't see it. See, there's like those games being too tough. So, yeah. like throwing like a Bamford or a Cashin or someone else who's like been talked about for England squads, I mean, it's worth giving them a go because. I believe that we we only got two friendlies before the Euros. Mm. I mean, as I'm guessing by then you've got you've got to have picked your 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 twenty whatever man squad it is. So it's it's the perfect time really to to put Bamford in the England squad. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, like as you say, we've got obviously the Euros coming up. Okay, like the World Cup qualifiers, they've got a bit more sort of um like gravitas to them I guess in terms of like there's something to play for but like you want to obviously like with the Euros richly on the doorstep sort of thing like you want to be playing like teams like getting a feel for the like what your sort of best team is and like the players that are in form and obviously like Jack Grealish is the one that everyone seems to be talking about but it is those like fringe players that you want to kind of be looking at as well and I think I don't know, like, because obviously how England did in the last World Cup, I think there's, not that we're going to win the Euros, but there's a quiet kind of optimism around the England squad at the moment. So, I don't know, like, do you feel like we've got a good kind of basis of, of players at the moment? Um, I, yeah, I say so. We've got, we got a quite a solid, you know, first eleven. you'd say. Mm. Or be all them being fit, like you know, like Harry Kane obviously gets injured <laughs> every season. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and but um, I mean, I, I remember that. Like, I looked at like uh, England squad last night, and I remember we had like like eight defenders in there. Like mm. in terms of like defense wise, we we quite you know um, well prepared, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not. I mean, one one area obviously the goalkeeper issue. I mean. I'm still not entirely convinced about Jordan Pickford, but no, no, agreed. But yeah, obviously, like I say, would love to see at least kind of get whether he gets in the Euro squad is a different question, but at least kind of give Bamford a shout and just sort of see what he can do. Like, you know, okay, if if it's against San Marino and he gets a couple of goals then that's a good thing for him to have, like, that he can kind of say, and he may not ever get in the squad again, but, like... Yeah, it, it could yeah. be it could be coming up the next... Uh, is it David Nugent? Was it, was oh, it him? God. Oh, yeah. David Nugent, Jesus, what? <laughs> Pompey legends, kind of, but, yeah. He's he's still playing. I didn't realise this. There was a... Really? Like, I, he was, like, he was at to... Preston one day. He went back to Preston, didn't he? Yeah, like... I saw it come up like on um, like football focus or something that he scored like the other week. I was like, "Fucking hell, he's still playing!" Yeah, he's a tra- he's on la- on loan at Tranmere. Oh right. So, like, I didn't. Like, how old is he now? He's thirty five, and he's still still banging. Hey, hey Glenn Murray's thirty seven. So I know. So that's what so, still yeah. still going. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about someone else who's still. Well, banging I was going to say we'll make the very smooth transition. Into 39-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who caps off an incredible milestone of getting his 500th career league goal uh, 
for AC Milan the other day. I mean, this dude is just unbelievable. Like I, like I fucking love Zlatan, but like he just seems to go forever. Like I don't know what what he does, but yeah. I mean, what like first and foremost, what's your like opinion of Zlatan? How, um, well, you... in in my notes here, Tim, I've got. Zlatan does what Zlatan wants. I found a recent quote that he said, I think he said a few months ago, he said, I'm like Benjamin Button. I mean, so I is. think that sort of sums <laughs> I mean, fair play, like I say, he's 39 years old. He's like one of his top goal scorers in Serie A this season with 14 goals. That's despite being the odd injury here and there. Um, I found that he's averaging a goal every 62 minutes. Wow, that's um, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, but and also, but this is like he's 39 years old, but he's also part of the, the lowest average squad age in Serie A because Ace have an average age of 24. <laughs> so, yeah, I've done my research. But yeah, this is ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, since he came back, I think he came out with it last January, and in 37 appearances, he got 27 goals. So. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Like I'm just looking at like his scoring record now. So like Malmo, 40 appearances, 16 goals. Ajax, 74 appearances, 35 goals. Juve, 70 appearances, 23 goals. It's just like he's been consistent. No matter. Like the lowest sort of return rate was when he was at United, and he was still he still scored goals at United. Kind yeah, of I mean I didn't realize how much he scored at United when I looked it up. I was like 29 goals in like 50. Three appearances. Yeah, it's just and like, I mean, as I've like, I think I put a poll up like when I first started this podcast of like who like the most kind of punk players are, and he is by far and away like, as you say, like Zatan does sort of Zatan wants kind of thing, and he like I don't like just I love him so much, and I like to go to another sport that we love comparing him to the undertaker like i just want him to go forever i just want him to carry on just destroying european defenses and being a cocky arrogant bastard i mean fair play i mean he been he went to LA galaxy where you know most players sort of wind down their career and mm. then he goes back to ac one who last season were like mid table and he's sort of leading their charge towards their first uh, league title in 10 years you know yeah. ending Juventus's dominant domination um but yeah be, I mean he's a part of a squad like I say he's got of a yo- mostly young squad and with him and um is it Mario Mandukas who we mm. just signed and they've yeah. got like a fair mix of it of experience and like a lot of young promising players like uh Sandra Tonelli mm. in their squad at Milan and I think as well like he's obviously not wanting to slow down in any shape or form because I, I don't did you see the thing uh the other week from the the Milan derby when him and Lukaku kind of came came head to head yeah yeah and it, it's, it's just like in comparison like what Lukaku's 26 I think it is and it's just like Zlatan's just not backing down he just like <laughs> I don't care if I'm an elder statesman. I'm going to stand here and fucking show you I'm a fucking monster. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, and also, 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 there's talk of I think signing a new deal at Milan to until he's 41. So I mean, he could be like, it could be like, it could be 41 playing in the Champions League. So, 
and it wouldn't surprise if he if you know he carried on scoring in that as well. So I mean, he probably he'll probably end up like getting to the Champions League final and like scoring <laughs> a scorpion kick or something like that just because he fucking can. It's just that'd be mental. <laughs> but yeah, like I thought, we just needed to give dues to the absolute hero that is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, we, yeah, there's not much more to say, but f- like, I'm trying to actually, I'm trying to think, like, is there any other players like in the modern era that have reached 500 goals? Like, I'm just trying to think off the top, like, top of my head. I mean, I'm guessing obviously Ronaldo and Messi are the obvious picks, but I can't think, I don't know. Yeah, like, I've, I've just done a quick Google and Ronaldo is the one that comes up on top. The other like other players that are there are ones that like I have never heard of, so I'm guessing they're like older players. Uh, I'm just yeah, I mean yeah. So like the first one is a like some German guy called Jerwin Hel- Helmecken, I think from like he played in like from like in the fifties. The other one, other ones, fifties, sixties, and then number four is Ronaldo. Then you've got Romario, Pele, Messi. So yeah, okay, there's more than I thought, to be totally honest. Out of right, so I've got a list of the top fifty. Zlatan is twenty. So right, okay. So I mean he's in good company by Oliver, but yeah, like just absolute phenomenal. Who um, do you, sorry, Tim. Who do, no, do you think there's any of the strikers at the moment who could reach that milestone, like like a Lewandowski or a Aguero. Oh, Aguero, I don't think, just because he's obviously been hit by a lot of injuries, like, latterly in his career. You've mentioned Lewandowski. He's, so he's in 37th on this list I've got up. Okay. Currently, what's he on at the moment? Uh, da, 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 da. I can't. This table's fucking weird. So, out of this fucking Wikipedia for you, isn't it? <laughs> What's this? So, apparently, total goals in his whole career, he's 528 at the moment, I think that is. Yeah. So, he's already kind of, like, hitting that. I don't know how it works in terms of, like, league goals. I don't know. Oh, where we go. So, out of current players, he's he's fourth. So... The top, the top five current players are Ronaldo, Messi, Ibrahimovic, Lewandowski, and then weirdly, which was I was quite surprised with, Luis Suarez. I didn't think yeah. he'd had that many goals, but oh no, I, mean, I think um, definitely at Barcelona he had really good spell at Barcelona, and then I think he sort of continue it at uh, Atletico. Yeah, season. But yeah, like I think yeah, Lewandowski's probably your next one that's going to get it. And obviously he's not considerably younger, but obviously a, a bit younger than Ben's Yeah. Yeah. So obviously he's got a few years on him. So yeah, d- like definitely he's, he's someone that could, could get it. I, I don't know if Aguero would be one. I mean, he's, he's in this, this list a bit further down, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, well I guess time will tell. <laughs> But um, if we're going to stick in in Europe, like obviously we've got 
the return of well the round of 16 of of Champions League games coming up recently and because we're in the weird times that that is covid and everything like they're trying to sort of see what will best fit this and this is they've recently announced that a number of the games will be sort of relocated to neutral venues mainly in Budapest which I think is a weird move but I I don't know what the covid situation is in Hungary maybe it's it's quite clear but um I don't know like cuz there's there's been obviously talk about like fixture congestion and like how much football's being played in such a short space of time at the moment do you think this makes sense them like pushing ahead and moving to neutral venues and like obviously therefore meaning players have to travel even further than what they would have to to play these games like it's like kind of like catch 22 because as a fan you want to see it but on a global scale is it safe kind of thing like yeah i don't know what's what's your opinion on it um i mean like the solution having a neutral venue because of certain travel restrictions like going uh, like, is it people coming into Germany? I guess. Yeah. Which yeah. Um, and also, I know um, and Spain is like well. I just read earlier that the uh, Atletico Madrid Chelsea game is going to be in Bucharest, Romania. Yeah. So, um, but uh, we could, one thing that doesn't doesn't quite sit right with me because, like, say, one leg of the like Liverpool RB Leipzig is going to be in Budapest. But Liverpool's home leg is still going to be at Anfield. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've got no fans, but in terms of uh, psychology, in terms of like RB Leipzig, they're not going to have that opportunity to play at what their home ground. Mm. So is, is, is it going to be a disadvantage to them? It's, but, yeah, it's like, that's the thing. Like, you think if they're going to do one leg in a neutral va- venue, surely do both. But yeah. I mean, I know in the in, in the um, Europa League, Arsenal's tie with Benfica. They're going to have one leg in in Rome, and then the the second leg in Athens at the Olympiakos oh, ground. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that like, see, that kind of makes sense. But yeah, as you say, like with RB Leipzig and Liverpool, like it is a bit unfair. But and I mean, wasn't there also talk about just like? Clearly, back to still one tie, but again, if, if you do, if you could have cut back like one to one tie, sure, that's the whole the whole tournament's gonna be like one leg, rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. back to the two leg format. It's, I don't know, like as I say, it's that kind of catch twenty two. Like obviously, as a fan, you want to see like the Europe's greatest teams like going at each other and and things like that. But I mean, like football's been like a re- especially like recently been like a really sort of like hazy area in terms of like covid restrictions and and things like that and i don't like yeah obviously it kind of you want obviously like you want the season to progress and things like that but at what extent kind of like to it's, i don't know it's just yeah. very strange i it? mean as a, i mean as a fan it's it's you know it's grim like People like me, like something like to look forward to at the weekend, like knowing, yeah, oh, no, folks yeah. are going to play, so I'll have that to watch or listen to or what have not. Um, but in terms of like 
like like clubs like Liverpool, Man City, and Chelsea, and basically all the, all the major European clubs, like they're they're playing like three three games a week, yeah, now and like with the extra travel and and like like the extra distance, it it can't be good for like the fatigue of players. I mean, yeah, they're they're saying oh they they are professional athletes and whatnot, but still, like they've had they had a short break between the end of last season and this season and like the turnaround for games has been even shorter than normal so it's going to be interesting how how the how like all these extra fixtures well not really extra fixtures but like the quick turnaround fixtures mm. is going to affect um play I mean, obviously it's obviously affected Liverpool quite a bit this season yeah. as we've now well that's what I was going to say because obviously like Klopp has not made any sort of secrets of his sort of dismay of of like the fixture congestion, and obviously now having to travel that further distance to to Budapest to play, and then obviously they'll be back on the weekend playing wherever they are sort of that following weekend sort of thing. Like yeah, okay, these are multi-millionaires playing football, like. Uh, it's like boo hoo woe is me but as you say like it is going to have some effect on your psyche kind of thing and like if, when like managers first started moaning about it i was a little bit like i'll oh, get over yourselves but now when like things are getting turned like changed like on such short notice like, okay it's not massive well it's like two weeks isn't it they they've kind of given it but still like you've got to like change your preparations and and change your travel plans and yeah I yeah i mean it's, I remember during like the um like during the group stage like i remember the whole thing with uh united and Solskjaer complaining that menu had to play a, like a 12 p.m saturday kickoff mm. when they play was at the wednesday night in yeah yeah somewhere i can't remember where like turkey yeah. i think it was yeah and i think like and obviously like they're, again, like the top players are going to have a, a, a less of a break again this year because we've got the Euros as well. So it's it's going to be an interesting couple of years. Yeah, I, I mean, like, so we look at um, like Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, think um, a few people spoil how his quality this season hasn't been up to scratch. But it, God, I think like Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold has basically like played football nonstop for about two years straight. Yeah. And he's only yeah. like, what? 20 i think so yeah no it is very very bizarre but i mean uefa have made the decision the clubs have obviously agreed to it so i mean going back, to... sorry going back to the whole possible of going back to still one leg do mm. you think would you prefer that as a fan like also we saw it like last season in the champion league in uh lisbon it went to like a one-tie, foot-tie, yeah, yeah. knockout time. Would you prefer that as a fan? Personally, yeah, because I, I think we've seen, like, we're going to briefly touch on the FA Cup in a moment. Like, with the FA Cup this year, like, we haven't had any replays. It's just been a, a one-and-done situation. And I think, take out the money equation of it, because obviously, like, lower clubs, replays would have benefited them and so on and so forth. But having that sense of extra time and penalties has brought a bit more excitement to those games rather than like them scrapping out for a nil-nil draw to get them back to their place kind of thing. 
Whereas, like, with the Champions League over, like, two legs, it's almost like, okay, unless, like, one team's going to completely batter them, that first leg can sometimes be a bit null and void because you're kind of essentially playing for the second leg. So, yeah, like, taking it down to one game, it puts more more at stake. And as a fan, it makes it more exciting because you know one of these teams is going to go home there and then sort of thing. So I wouldn't be objected to Yeah, exactly. I mean, also, I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, I'm sure if you asked like Jurgen Klopp, you're like, would you prefer to play one less game per round? I'm oh, sure he'd be fine. Yeah. But again, <laughs> like the people above him would be like, oh, no, you need to, we need, we want to stick to this two leg format because it's more television money, which is just, you know, shitty. That's the thing. Unfortunately, it all comes down to money. But anyway, but yeah, well, um, as I say, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we're not going to get too deep into the FA Cup because we've only had two of the games played. But I guess a little bit of an upset with, with Bournemouth beating Burnley. United, kind of standard, going through against West Ham. But this is the uh, the stage of the FA Cup I do find a bit boring because it is when you just have all the big teams. The one fixture I want to highlight that's happening tonight, Sheffield United, Bristol City, I think they're the one team that could slide through and Bristol City could go on a bit of a a run but I don't know like how are you viewing the FA Cup at the moment because I think uh, like at these stages the romanticism's kind of gone out of it a little bit yeah I mean it's nice when we had um who the Marine like when yeah. Marine versus Spurs and you had Charlie still in it and like obviously we, we got fresh in the last round so I'd rather not talk about that <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, like this is it the fifth round isn't it like the fifth round sort of came like snuck up on me I didn't realise it was like a midweek no I didn't now. until the weekend I mean I think they started last year the midweek deal but yeah it's but yeah it came out of nowhere but like I so said it's it's it's, the, it's getting to that stage now where a lot of like the big teams are left like I like say United's you know, got through last night with a very boring 1-0 mm. after extra time. I mean, I, I watched the second half and then it got to the final whistle. I was just like, I don't want to watch, I don't want to watch another 30 minutes of this. <laughs> so I turned it off. Um, but yeah, like Bristol City, like, um, I'm trying to think of how they're doing in the championship. I think they're, they're definitely good for us. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think they're like, last, last time I saw they were sort of playoff area i think yeah they normally are they're normally like eighth or something i think yeah they're they're tenth at the moment so kind of languishing around that area yeah. and is, is is that game at bramall lane or is it at bristol's ground no so it's, it's at bramall lane so yeah i mean i mean could be an upset well i don't know i don't know it seems like shaping nights have i've sort of turned a bit of form lately maybe it's because like they've had a few wins in the cup as well which has helped them yeah yeah um, obviously, there's quite a loose forest connection in their squad as well for me. So, uh, you've got the likes of Ben Osborne there, mm. um, Oliver Burke, uh, Jack Robinson, and Billy Sharp, all yeah, former yeah, forest yeah. players. That's the thing, like, the one thing I think, apart from United and City, there's not any of like the kind of, well, I guess Tottenham fans will say they're one of them as well, but like the traditional sort of like big four left in the FA Cup. So I guess the only kind of like bright side of looking at it is it could be interesting to see who gets to to that Wembley final because I don't know like you've still got the likes of like Leicester in there Everton in there as I say if Bristol City get 
won against Sheffield United. They'll be in there. Bournemouth again. Yeah. Swansea. I mean, Swansea aren't going to beat City, are they? So, but I don't know. Like, I think this year could bring a bit of a surprise on who actually wins the FA Cup. That's the only kind of upside, I guess. Yeah, I mean, looking at like teams that left. I mean, I think let's say it'd be a good, a good, good chance depending on who mm. they get the next round. Obviously, they've got to play Brian tonight. But yeah, I fancy Leicester, um, Spurs. Obviously, they've done pretty well in the, um, is it, what's it called, League Cup. So yeah, so yeah, hopefully they could, uh, you know, go on a bit of run after their Premier League forms dropped off a bit for Spurs. Um, Chelsea might be a good start for Thomas Tuchel to to get a trophy where Lampard didn't last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, is is it? Let's see. It's, even though you've got like those. Biggish Premier League, uh, the big Premier League club, it's still open to who could go all the way, I think. Yeah, definitely. As a footballer, you are 10 out of 10. What about now? 11 out of 10. You got better? Much better. What about as a person? How much out of 10? 20 out of 10. As a person? Yes. Well, um, how we always round things up on is we'd like to bring our, our punks onto the pitch. I ask my guests to to make a starting eleven of of musicians. Um, so Sean has been kind enough to to come up with one. We always start off in goal. So Sean, who have you got between the sticks? I've gone for Touche Morris drummer Elliot Babin, uh, merely for the fact that he's one of my favourite drummers to see live. Mm. So I think in drummers, hands, goalkeeper, easy choice. I mean, when I started this, I didn't really think of that but you see like a lot of people are choosing drummers as goalkeepers and it totally makes sense um and i mean elliot is just like hands down one of the best drummers around at the moment like it's just some of the stuff he can do is absolutely insane so yeah you can imagine if that could translate onto a pitch he'd be like just flying all over the place like making these like insanely like like shot stops that you wouldn't think are possible kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, right. So who have we got at the back? Who's your defence? Well, but most, of my, most of my 11 is like loosely Forest connected in one way or another. Um, right. we, we talked about Stuart Pearce earlier. Uh, Stuart Pearce, obviously, known for his love of punk music, mm. even though I want sorry about Killer's show. I was working at. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, in terms of the back four, I've gone for uh, Stuart Pearce's favourite band, The Stragglers, Hugh Cornwell. No idea. I just I had to Google that. I just knew The Stragglers was his favourite band. <laughs> but, so yeah, Hugh Cornwell, a left back. My centre back pairing is a uh, legend that is Joe from The Clash. Yeah. And then joining him is Johnny Rotten, John Lydon from The Sex Pistols. And then my right back, just because I like Iron Maiden, and I know he's a big football fan, it's uh, Iron Maiden bassist, Steve Harris. It's, it's weird. I think he got put as a right back in someone else's team as well. <laughs> so, I just had the left... space. I was like, oh, put him in. Or left back. But some, yeah, he seems to be like someone that people want as a wing back for some reason. But yeah, like I think Steve Harris is an obvious one. I think... The, the combination of Johnny Rotten and Joe Strummer would be an interesting centre backing <laughs> partnership. I could see I like think... Johnny Rotten being like that, like balls out, like just go, diving into tackle, a bit like 
like Kenny Burns used to be a forest back in like the eighties and seventies, just like sliding in no matter what. And then just like shouting at the player while they're on the floor, kind of. Yeah, sort of yeah. Thing. <laughs> and like like Jason of the more like outspoken, maybe like the captain of the team, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Right, who have you got in in the midfield? Right, I've gone for a, a defensive midfielder. Um, definitely not a punk in any sense. Maybe maybe some people might, might think differently, but I have got like a loose forest nationalist guy. It's a uh, Sir Paul McCartney. Yeah. Um, um, for those that um, the wing song "Mother Can Tie" is a as a song that's been adopted by Forest fans back in like the late seventies with different lyrics. I'm not going to sing them, Tim. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, yeah, "Mother Can Tie" by the, by Paul McCartney's Wings. So yeah, Paul McCartney's my defensive midfielder. Um, the loose Forest connection continues in my midfield with. Uh, Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash on the right wing due to Walk to the Jungle often being played at Forest in the pre-game yeah. build-up. And on the left wing, I've got James Hatfield from Metallica and because Ed Sandman is often played in the build-up of Forest. So nice. that's the connection. And then, again, someone else who isn't a punk probably in any way is Brian Adams. <laughs> um, he's basically there because... I remember he had number one song for ages from a Robin Hood film. Oh, obviously Robin God, Hood. that song. That song. Robin Hood, obviously, connected to Forrest, and Forrest did and still do come out to the theme of the Adventures of Robin Hood TV show. Oh, from the cool, that's cool. So, yeah, that's the connection there. Um, and then in my uh, central attacking midfielder, I've gone for Jason Allen Butler from Fever 333. Nice. of that live I think plenty of energy so yeah got plenty of energy in there in that attacking up front and joining the striker is Luke Benham from the Dirty Nil um, nice another Canadian um, but I think <laughs> I was like, going to say you've got more Canadians in <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I think like Dirty Nil you can rely on them to supply some bangers so yeah. you know he's a, he's a striker I think him and and um, Jason would make quite a good sort of interesting tandem as well. Like, it's weird. Like, Jason Butler's another one that's kind of appeared a couple of times now because I think people, as you say, like all that like high energy and things like that. But yeah, like him and him and Luke, I think would be quite interesting because they're both like not showy, but like they've got a bit of flair to them. Yeah, and yeah, I think that'd be an interesting sort of. Um, like front pairing as well. So that'd be I, cool. I I also had a had a backup option, which is again a very loose. Well, oh, this play this person did play for Forest. A guy called Paul McGregor. He plays not uh, for Forest in the nineties. Hmm. Scored against Leon in the UEFA Cup in the 95-96 season, and he was in like a Brit pop band called Merc, and then later oh, okay. a, post, a later post punk band called Ulterior. So yeah, okay. that's, that's that's like my like my one sub I've got. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, perfect. Well, Sean, thank you very much for for joining me today. Um, I mean, I think Forest will stay up. I think relegation's not an option. I mean, you could think differently. I don't know, but yeah, obviously we we one day hope to see Forest back in the Premier League. Cross. But... Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for joining me, my friend. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me on.